0: If you have your Bibles, turn just for uh, a few moments to, to Genesis chapter 16. Some of you got to get home and watch the uh, Daytona 500 in a few hours, so we'll try to speed things up a little bit here. Don't, don't want to invade on your... Does God see me? We're continuing our series on the great hymns of the church, and today we're looking at the hymn, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Beautiful hymn. We'll sing that at the end of the service today, but uh, does God see me? In 1905, Sevilla Martin and her husband were visiting The Doolittle family, they were evangelists, and just what happened to the Doolittle family, they were a couple that were friends of theirs, the Martins, and they were bedridden for 29 years. Now, just let that sink in just for a moment. I know what I'm like when I've got the flu for a couple days and I'm in bed. Twenty-nine years. The wife was in bed and the husband was in a wheelchair. Sevilla and her husband Martin just were visiting with them and they just just made a comment. They said, how is it that after all these years you're still happy, you are content, you are filled with joy, Even though you are bedridden for the past 29 years, how is it that you still have the strength and the joy to serve God? And Mrs. Doolittle made just a quick little sentence, a quick little statement. And she said, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And Sevilla penned those words down, and a few weeks later wrote to him, his eye is on the sparrow, for I know he watches me. Over me. A few years ago, I was in Mexico with a, with a bishop. Now, bishops are, are guys that oversee hundreds of churches. And this guy was a real bishop. In fact, his denomination, when he was 65 years old, told Larry Myers that he was too old. And he left the denomination and started building churches in Tuxla, Mexico. Built over 500 churches. And you would drive with Larry Myers throughout Mexico and you, he would point church after church after church. Built 500 churches in that region. We were with him that one day to dedicate a church. What you, would, you would pay for a church. $5,000 would build you a 300-seat auditorium. You'd build it in the weekend and then on Sunday you'd dedicate it. And we were there dedicating a church that we had built. This singer was up there, uh, the pastor was singing leading worship, and he was singing 100 miles an hour, full-on sweat, joy, excitement, leading worship. And he was just filled with energies as he led the church, the brand-new church in worship. Larry Myers leaned over to me. I'm up on the platform, Larry Myers leaned over to me and, said, and said, said, you won't believe what happened to that guy last night. I said, what do you mean? The guy up there singing and leading worship? You get, yeah, you won't believe it. Larry goes on to tell me that just the night before, that pastor and his wife, they were pregnant, and they lost their child. And just through the doors was his wife lying on her deathbed. They just lost their son, and yet this man was up leading worship like he was leading a, a host of angels. And, and just it was amazing. How is it that somebody like the Doolittle family bedridden for 29 years, they can still have joy. The pastor in Tuxla can lose a child and still get up and lead worship. The common denominator is they both know that God sees them and is aware. And if his eye is on the sparrow, I know he watches over you. Have you ever asked God, do you see me? Do you see what I'm going through? Do you see what's happening in my life? I've been saying that a lot lately when I get on an airplane because the airplanes are packed capacity. Atlanta Airport and Orlando Airport are two of the most popular airports in the world, and there's thousands of people, and I want to say, God, do you see me? <laughs> Sitting in 36F, do you know what's going on with me? Have you checked in with me lately? And one of the greatest values that you and I can hold on to, regardless of what's going on in your life, whatever's, whatever's happening, you can always be assured that if God is watching over the sparrows, you can know that he's watching over you. So if you're here today and you're wondering, does God see me, I want to declare to you today, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over you. I did a count last night. In the world today, there are 7,655,957,369 people in the world. And He watches over you. In the United States there's 328 million 239,523 people and guess what if he can watch over the sparrow he can watch over you In Orlando there's 2 million 509,831 and God's watching over every single one of us cuz if his eyes on the sparrow I know he watches over you I know he does Don't know how he does it but he does in Pinecastle, there's 12,220. And if he's watching over the sparrow, I can tell you he's watching over you. Now, in Genesis chapter 16, this is one of the craziest stories you're ever going to read in the Bible TMZ material. <laughs> Jerry Springer material. Church, this is crazy. And yet at the end of this chapter, at the end of this story, you're going to see that God watches over every single one of them. Even when things are out of control, even when things are crazy, you can be guaranteed that if God is watching over the sparrows, he's watching over you and me. Let's go to Genesis chapter 16. If you're with me, say amen. So this is the story of of Abram, Sarah, and Abraham's mistress, Hagar. Now, some of you sleep during church every Sunday. You're not going to sleep today. (laughs) You can't sleep through this. This is crazy. And I'm so glad that as a church that we don't avoid things that are crazy. I'm glad that we don't avoid things that we don't really like. And if there's one chapter that you might want to throw out, this might be one of those chapters. Now look at Genesis chapter 16 and look at verse 1 just for a moment. Does God see me? Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children. Now look at your notes just for a moment, right, and fill in the blank here. Does, does God see me? Does God see me when life is, here's the blank, disappointing or confusing? Does God see me when life is disappointing or confusing? Here you're going to see in, chapter, in, in, in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 16 that Sarah was married to Abraham, and she bore him no children. Can you imagine how disappointing that would be? Perhaps there's people here today. You were unable to have children, and you can understand how disappointing and how confusing that could be. Sarah, her name is Princess. And the Princess, as beautiful as she was, she was unable to have children. And I'm sure she was really disappointed and bummed. I mean, after all, if you can't have a a child, you're shunned upon in that culture. When you're unable to have children, You live with a a stigma. So watch this. Here is the princess. Life's supposed to be good. You're beautiful, and yet you can't have children. And Sarah was disappointed. Her husband was Abraham. You know Abraham. Abraham, his name means exalted father. Father. And Abraham and Sarah, they were promised that they were going to have children. But in Genesis chapter 16, it says that she was unable to have children. And sometimes when life is disappointing and life is confusing, you ask the question, God, do you see me? Are you in tune with what's going on here today? Are you aware? I know I'm one of eight billion people in the world, but do you see that I'm the princess and yet I can't have a child? Many of you are here today and life is disappointing for you. And life is confusing. And you're wondering today, God, do you see what's going on with my kid? Do you see what's going on with my business? Do you see what's going on with my neighbors? Do you see what's going on in my family? God, do you see me? And I want to declare to you today that if God can see the sparrows, he can watch over you. And even as hopeless as this situation was, God wanted to let Abraham and Sarah know if I watch over the sparrows, I'm going to watch over you. But life was disappointing and life was very, very confusing. They were discouraged. How many have ever been discouraged? See, courage, the definition of courage is is the, the quality of spirit to face difficulty without fear. So when you are discouraged, that means that you don't have faith, that you are living in fear and you're discouraged. And Sarah was discouraged and so was Abraham because they didn't have any children. God, do you see me? When life is confusing and when life is disappointing, I want you to know that God can see you. Now, look what happens. This is when the story gets really, really crazy. It says in verse 1, But she had, Sarah, an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. here it is. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. You just woke up, didn't you? <laughs> this is an R-rated chapter in Genesis chapter 16. Sarah says, I can't have kids, so I've got this maidservant named Hagar. Why did you go sleep with her? And maybe God will give us children through her. How would you like to be preaching the sermon right now on this topic? <laughs> you know how bad things can get out of control when we take things into our own hands? Do yes. you know how bad things can become when you and I get ahead of God and try to take matters into our own hands and do things the way we think things ought to be done? Amen. And there's some of you here, right here today. You're faced with a major decision. God's given you a promise. God's told you that some things are going to happen, and and it hadn't happened yet. You haven't given birth, and you're frustrated, and you're disappointed, and you're confused. And I want to challenge you, don't get ahead of God. Because when you and I get ahead of God, and we do things out of order, and we come up with crazy ideas like, hey, why don't you sleep with my maid? Things can get out of hand really quick. Now this is really funny because she says, I, w- "Why don't you go sleep with my maid servant? Perhaps God would give us a family through her." And Abraham agreed with what Sarah said. So watch this. He agreed. He said, "Okay, sounds like a great idea." And then the Bible says that he waited 10 years. And every day he woke up going, I wonder if today's the day. Sarah's given me permission to sleep with Hagar. Maybe today's the day. And he went to bed and said, nope, not not, not, not today, maybe tomorrow. For 10 years, Abraham waited. And then finally, after 10 years, the Bible says he did what Sarah told him to do, and he slept with Hagar. And Hagar conceived and gave birth. Number two, does God see me? God sees you when life is disappointing and confusing. Number two, God sees you when life is out of control. How many have ever had your life spin out of control real quickly? Doesn't take long, does it? You do what the wife tells you to do, you sleep with the maid. And suddenly life begins to spin out of control. Look in verse 3 and 5. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took the Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I love it. Abraham, you go sleep with her. Abraham obeys after 10 years, and now he he gets blamed, and he's responsible. Men, I would not say amen right now. (laughs) I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. How many know that life can get out of control real quickly? And if I were you, I would not get one step ahead of God. I would wait for his perfect timing because when you and I get impatient, when you and I think that we have the ability to make decisions and go off and do what we think is a good idea, it gets us into trouble. And the Bible says that uh, Hagar, she gave birth to Ishmael. And the Islamic religion was birthed out of this mistake. Think about it. Right now in the world there is, I counted last night, 2.4 billion Christians in the world. And there is 1.9 billion members of the Islamic religion. One decision, one bad idea, one getting ahead of God, and suddenly you have a major issue. Life is spinning out of control. And when life is out of control, and you are wondering, God, what in the world is going on? Do you see me? I want to remind you today that even when life is out of control, if God is watching over the sparrows, he's watching over you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number three, very quickly, does God see me when life makes me want to run? How many know that this would be a good time to run? You're pregnant, Sarah's mad, she's blaming Abraham, and, and, and Hagar does the very thing that you and I do all the time. The Bible says she ran. Look in your Bible, look in verse, uh, verse 7. Then the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road shore. Now watch this. Hagar, I already told you, Abraham, his name means exalted father. Sarah, her name means princess. And Hagar, her her name means to run or to flee. Isn't that interesting? God named her Hagar to flee and to run, knowing that years later when life is spinning out of control, that her response would be, I'm just going to run. And you know what? We can look at this and wonder why in the world she runs, but guess what? You and I run all the time. When life is out of control, when we don't like what's happening, when we get ahead of God and and, and we get out of his will, our response is, well, I'm just going to run. And there's some people here today, maybe you're running right now from God. You're just like Hagar. You run. You can't cope with it. You can't deal with it. So you run to alcohol. You run to an extramarital affair. You run to food. You run to money. And we all run. And from the beginning of time, man has been running. Look what happened with Adam and Eve. The Bible says that they sinned, and what's the first thing they did? They ran from God in the garden. And God shows up and says, Why are you here? Where are you? How many know that God knows where we are? He's asking the question because he wants you to know where you are. And Adam and Eve said, We're in the garden, we're hiding, we sin. We're just like Hagar, we run. When life gets crazy, we run. Look at Jonah. God said, Jonah, I want you to go preach. I want you to go minister. I want you to save a a city. And Jonah's response was, I'm just going to run like Adam and Eve. Well, Elijah, the great prophet, in 1 Kings chapter 17, the Bible says he rebuked and he he confronted 450 prophets of Baal, and then he got a text message from Jezebel, and he got scared, and what did he do? He ran. And what did God say to, to Elijah? Why are you here? What are you doing? And from all mankind, from Adam until now, men and women, when things get out of control, we run. Look at the disciples in Matthew chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus. Christ had just been crucified. They got confused. and What did they do? They ran. And God had to confront them and say, where are you going? Why are you running? Let me ask you a question this morning. What are you running from today? Because you and I are just like Hagar. We're just like Jonah. We're just like the disciples. We're just like, we're just like Elisha. We run. And God said to Hagar, Why are you here? What's going on? And by the way, that road that she was on, the road sure, that's in your Bible there, that's an interesting word. It's in your notes. Fill this in. That word there, sure, means wall or wilderness. Very interesting. Do you know that when you run from God? Eventually, you're going to hit a wall. You can't run forever. You can't escape God. Ask Jonah. You can't escape God. Ask Adam and Eve. You can't escape God. Ask Elisha. And here's Hagar, and she's confused, and life is out of control, and her response is, I'm just going to run. And guess what? When you run from God, you can run, but one day you're going to hit a wall. And that's exactly what Hagar did. She hit a wall. How many's ever hit a wall? It's not real fun. I'm not going to illustrate that today. (laughs) You don't get too far. Day after day, there's some of you, you've been hitting a wall for 10 years, stubborn, trying to do it your own way, trying to figure it out. And God, in His mercy, showed up to Hagar and said, You've hit a wall. You can't run from this. I know this is a confusing situation. You've got, you got Abraham, you got Sarah, and, and, and you, but you can't run because all you're going to do is hit a wall. The only thing that you and I can do when we run from God is to repent and to turn and to go back to where we came from. Amen. Are you all with me this morning? Amen. Go back to where you came from. See, the Bible says in James that, that we should face trials. We should confront trials. We should deal with trouble. Yet, sometimes we're just like Hagar. We're just like Jonah. We're just like Elisha. It's easier just to run, and you can run, but one day you're going to hit a wall, and when you hit the wall, God will be there, and he's going to say to you, I see you. I'm watching over the sparrows, but I'm also watching over you, Hagar, and you've hit a wall. Why are you here and where did you come from? That's what he asked Hagar. Why? Because when life is out of control and when you and I are running from God, God is always watching the sparrows and he's watching over you today. Are you all with me this morning? Aren't you glad that God watches over the sparrows? So watch this. Look what Hagar says, and then we're going to, I'm going to tie this all together. Th- this is all going to make sense here in just a moment. Some of you still are hung up on Abraham sleeping with Hagar, but we, <laughs> let's, let's move on. So she has this confrontation with God on the road to Shur. She hits a wall, and God shows up, and look at verse, I love this, look at verse 13. Does God see me when life blurs my vision? And the answer is yes, he sees you. And look what she says. She says, and Hagar gave God this name who spoke to her on the road to shore. You are the God who sees me, for she has said, I now have seen the one who sees me. Wow. In the King James, you'll see there that she names him El Roi. El Roi, which is the God God. Who sees me. Pastor Scott, is it possible that out of 8 billion people that God understands what's going on in my life? Yes. If he could see the sparrow, he's watching over you. And Hagar named God, one of the names of God that is, for the Jewish generation, they worship these names. They worship the God, the creator. They worship El Roi, the God who sees me. Isn't that beautiful? Does God see me? Yes, God sees you. He knows what's going on. His name is El-Ohim, God my creator. El-Shaddai, God my supplier. El-Ilium, God the most high. And El-Roi, the God who sees me. Does God see me? Yes, he sees you. He's aware of every situation And when life is blurry, when life is out of control, when life is confusing and disappointing, you can guarantee that God sees you. Go to Matthew chapter 10. As Bruce and Lisa, if you guys get ready to lead us in this song. Hummer, still with me. Let me hear an amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 10 says that for a penny you can buy a sparrow. That's pretty cheap, isn't it? Now, back in the day when they would sacrifice animals, you could bring a goat, and that would cost you a lot of money. You could buy a lamb. That would cost you a lot of money. Or you could spend a few pennies and buy a sparrow. You could buy a 100 of them for a that's dollar. How, that's how meaningless they were. And in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is teaching. He says, God sees when the sparrow falls. Just pennies. He's aware of when a sparrow falls. How much more is he going to be aware of you, your trouble, your heartache, your pain, your sickness? His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And Hagar went back. And made things right with Abraham and Sarah. And lived a life of purpose and destiny. Because she confronted on the road to shore the God who sees me. And even though it was it a was mistake, even though to this day we are dealing with the ramifications of that sin, God wants us to know today that if he's watching the sparrows, he's watching over you today. Now, in your notes, real quick, as Lisa's getting ready to sing What's going on in your life right now that you're wondering, does God see me? Can't be as bad as Hagar. I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. But what's going on in your life today that you wonder, God, are you aware of what's happening? I know I'm one of 2.5 billion people in Orlando, but do you know that I'm sad? Do you know that I'm lonely? Do you know that I'm heartbroken? Do you know that I feel betrayed? Do you see me? And God's answer to you is, if I watch over the meaningless sparrows that only cost a penny, how much more am I watching over you? Sevilla Wilson was right. His eye is on the sparrow, and he watches over you and I today. Would you bow your hearts and let's pray together just for a moment. Father, thank you for your comfort that lets us know that you are aware. God, when we're in an airport with half a million people, you are aware of our hurt, our pain, our heartache, our sorrow. God, we're one of eight billion people, you're aware of every detail. And if you are watching over the sparrows that are, that are just worth pennies, how much more are you watching over us? I pray today, God, that you would remind us that you see us, you hear us, you're alert, you're aware, and you're going to take care of every situation in our life. God, help us not to get ahead of you. Help us not to run too far. Help us not to try to take things in our own hands, but help us to trust in you. For if your eyes is on the sparrow, I know you watch over me. And I'm thankful for that today. In Jesus' name.